Welcome to NREI's Common Area Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning editorial staff at NREIOnline.com. Let's jump right into this week's podcast. Hello and welcome to the Common Area with your host, David Bodemer. Good afternoon, David. How are you? I am doing well. How are you doing this week? Fantastic. It's chilly and a little cold, but I'm you know nice and warm inside my office. So, so far, so good. Yeah, we're, we haven't switched to recording outdoors yet. <laughs> Thank you, God. No. <laughs> I would be covered in snow right now if that was the case. Yeah. Oh, goodness. <laughs> All right, so this week's story, what are we talking about? We're going to talk about the supermarket sector and just what's what's been happening nationally with that and why it's important given that grocery saying, uh, grocery anchored retail centers are like the one bright spot in the retail universe. Those are very always stable. If you look at the numbers from recent years, investments on those kind of properties has, has held up despite the overall retail apocalypse. So we just kind of want doing a check-in on what's happening with the, with grocers, given, you know, some of these other big trends happening in the, in the, in the retail world. Gotcha. So when you, when you say a uh, grocery anchored shopping center, you're talking the grocery store, it's connected to like a strip mall, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. 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 That, that's, I mean, I drive by a few of the grocery stores around here and all the businesses around them are doing well. I have we don't see a whole lot of movement in there. So that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. I mean, it's historically, it's just always been such a great investment. If you're looking in the retail world, they're not as management intensive you know, as an owner, if obviously you do have to still deal with your tenants, but mm-hmm. it's, you get your fewer tenants, you have your supermarket, which is just like, you know, it's obvious, you know, you just think about it, it makes it, it's, it makes a lot of intuitive sense. The kind of tenant that people are going to at least once a week, if not more. Mm-hmm. And then with that kind of like very consistent traffic generation, it's, it's, it's great for the other tenants who kind of can support that, you know, all those service oriented yeah. tenants that, just make for that kind of weekly shopping trip. You know, you hit the dry cleaner, you hit whoever, you know, go to, if you go to the bank, you can go to the bank, that kind of stuff. But it's, it's so, it's obviously just super rock solid. It's a, it's a great place for people that want to, you know, there's obviously a lot of companies that specialize in it. There's some REITs that are, you know, the shopping center giants that own hundreds of these around the country. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, you know, there are local players that can just own and operate these things if it's a kind of real estate exposure that you want. So, you know, and then it's also, I think, I think it's an interesting time to talk about it just to kind of check in. For one thing, I know like one of the immediate prompts for, for, for talking about it is actually in New York City right now, we're going through a thing where Fairway, who is a, it's a New York City chain, but it's been around for almost a hundred years. They have, I think they have about 15 supermarkets total most of them in the in new york city but a few in the suburbs they they try like so basically they've had a kind of this rocky story now like they've been around for, around for 100 years the, the mainstay ones in the city if you ever went to them in new york city any day of the week they're packed they're like some of the only like really big like supermarkets in the city there's some on the upper west side that are you know that are just great experiences are kind of you know the huge selections a lot of character, a lot of local characters kind of come in and shop at them, and they're sort of mainstays. They try to leverage this up into becoming a more of a regional player. They got some private equity backing, and it just hasn't worked. And now today, 
we're recording this on near the end of like third week of January. They filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy for the second time in the last five years. And really? Yeah. So it's what they're doing is I think they have about five stores in Manhattan. They've already sold to an, to another company now who owns some other chains who sounds like they're going to keep those going. But then they have some other ones in the outer boroughs and, and outside the city that they're now that they're trying to sell to in, in another deal or and potentially liquidate. So it's not the it's not the greatest story for, for the supermarket space. Mm-hmm. But that seems to be like kind of like so that's why it's at top of mind. But like that it, it seems like that's fairly not that's really not the story overall when you look at the the grocery world. You look more broadly though, there is a lot of consolidation happening more it's becoming a space that's becoming more and more dominated by national players and fewer regional chains. And that's kind of like so. So I think that that's that's overall like. But after we, we talked to some people, trying to figure out what's going on, what people could expect, that seems to be one of the overall themes right now. Hmm. Yeah. I, when you said fairway, I was thinking you, you talked about New York, but we've got fairway in the Midwest, but it's a different one. I did figure that out. It is a different one. So <laughs> how uh, is it? Is it spelled the same way? It is not. It's it's actually that's why okay. I looked up real quick because I was like, huh? Because the the fairways that are close to us, we. Uh, they're pretty good grocery stores, but they do one thing that we just love and that they have hatch green chilies. I don't know if you've ever had true no. green chilies from hatch New Mexico. They're amazing. No. They bring them up by the case and they'll fire roast them in the, in the parking lot for you. So yeah, that's a big draw. Do the fairway in uh, New York fire roast any, uh, peppers. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I, I don't remember. They do have a lot of fun things like a great cheese counter. And oh yeah. Lots of samples and things like that. I don't know if they fire roast the peppers, but I think you're the Midwest fairway seems like a good example of the kind of strong regional player looking. They have over a hundred markets that they operate in, in a, in a handful of States in the region. So hmm. it seems like exactly kind of, you know, when we talk about like the success stories. It's like, we have the national players and we have these strong regionals. So I wonder if at some point it would be certain chains like this one, like, like, and, and, and the distinction, I think, is the spelling. Fairway mm-hmm. New York is F A I F A I R. Yep. Way. And then the Midwest one is F A R E Way. Yep. That seems like, you know, a strong regional player like that is exactly the kind of chain that some of these giant national conglomerates have been sweeping up the past few years, you know. And then I think, you know, there's companies like Kroger, Kroger or some other big ones that have now just giant national footprints that they operate under both their old main brand, but then a lot of cases they do retain this regional branding just because people are so loyal to it. Yeah. And that's, I was going to say when you, when you brought that up Kroger, I've seen Kroger before we don't have, and I don't even know if there are grocery stores that are called Kroger, but I know Kroger is the brand that we have here, which is Baker's. So Baker's grocery stores, they they seem to be very successful here in the Nebraska area. But I've also noticed as I've traveled, I travel quite a bit and I'll see the same type of designs and marketing as Mm -hmm. what I see at Baker's on a company or on a grocery store, Dylan's, or there's been a couple others. And when I've used my Baker's loyalty card (laughs) at the gas station there, I get some money off my gas. So it's got to be owned obviously by Kroger must be the overall brand then. Right. Yeah, definitely. The parent company. Yeah. They're huge. Like, you know, they've definitely, I, I mean... I know they started in the Southeast, if I'm not mistaken, and have very slowly moved across the country. Albertsons is another one of these, you know, 
that started as a regional is now a national and I think does a very similar thing where you know you might be shopping at somebody that's part of their family, but it's not called an Albertsons because they kept they kept the the local whatever the local or regional name was just yeah. to to keep you know customers happy. Yeah, absolutely. And Baker's has that marvelous cheese counter that you're talking about. They have an yeah. amazing <laughs> cheese counter. I, I used to take some of the boys from Boys Town that I worked with, and we'd go over to the grocery store and the cheese lady, and I, I guess I called her that, but the lady who worked at the cheese counter loved to give the boys samples of the most amazing and, and most the stinkiest cheese they've ever seen <laughs> just to see their reactions. It was priceless. <laughs> so I think then from a landlord's perspective, like this is the kind of thing you want, you know, it's yeah. like stable operator, somebody that's got experiences that people are going to want to have or have loyal customers are coming back. And then I think so, some of the benefit then is if this comes under a, a bigger umbrella, that's one big company that gives you some standardization in, in who you're working with and how you're doing your leases and just, you know, some stability in, in your relations, even, even more stability for a sector that's already pretty stable. So I think that's, that's, you know, for, from the operator perspective, obviously, you know, people are trying to grow their geographic reach and extend their brands from the landlord perspective. You know, th- th- there's always a risk. I, I, I suppose if, if too, you know, if you have too high exposure to one company, if something happens to that company on the flip side, if they're doing things really well and you can, again, standardize re- these relationships and standardize your leases, that's, you know, stability can be, can be obviously very good. Yeah. And I, I'll, I'll say in the, in the one Baker's shopping center, that we used to frequent quite a bit in the last probably 10 to 15 years, I can only think of one store front that has left that shopping area and it was a blockbuster. <laughs> so <laughs> they were doomed anyway, but so right. I don't think it was a reflection on the foot traffic or the traffic driving yeah. by. They were just doomed to begin with. But I think every other store that I can think of that was there, there's a small restaurant, there's all sorts of little things. I, I think they're all the same pretty much for the last decade. So that is stability. Right. So let me ask you a question too about about your regional chain because I think that the the one thing that we've talked about with retail a lot that's affected everybody else is is online sales. Have you ever ordered ordered your groceries online to be delivered? Is that something that they do? Uh, they you know? do. They some of them will deliver. That's kind of getting that's starting to become bigger here in the Midwest. But they also have ordering everything online. Then you pull up and they just bring it out to your car yeah. and you're done. That's that took hold probably. I'd say three to four years ago, but you're also talking, there's very little traffic here. There's very, you know, anybody that lives in town at all in the area, you're, you're five minutes from a grocery store. So I don't think it's as big of a deal here as it would be for uh, somebody in a major metropolitan area that would really benefit by having their groceries delivered to their door or being able to swing in and just have somebody chuck them in your car as you drive by. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I mean, overall it is, I mean, I think that this is, I think an area to watch because the, the numbers show right now, only 3% of grocery spending in the U S is done online. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's, it's an increasing option, but it's certainly, it's a much smaller percent, percentage of, of online spending in this retail category compared to some others. Yeah. I think New York, we all, and I think in some other markets, there's also the, the two, I think potential sources of competition for the traditional grocery stores in the space. One is Amazon, which does offer that delivery mm-hmm. uh, in conjunction with the, you know, the fact that they own Whole Foods. So all of the Whole Foods in New York City, you can now order delivery from, but 
th- that's still being fulfilled by by a, an actual grocery store, and you know, which is the same way that you know. And there's a couple of like uh, Insta, like Instacart, some other services that also do the fulfillment from the grocery stores. So in this case, I think that if, if that's where the online spending goes, I don't think there's that 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 doesn't really represent any risk to the to the supermarkets because the order the order fulfillment is taking place at the supermarkets. But, mm-hmm. there, but and there is another player that's in New York and I'm not sure how many other markets, but they're called Fresh Direct. Mm-hmm. And they do grocery delivery, but they do not they are not a supermarket chain and they are not fulfilling that from existing supermarkets. They they operate their own warehouses that they're doing that that, that they're doing their order fulfillment from and you see these trucks going through the city. That kind of competitor long term would be more of a, a risk to grocers but i th- but it seems like you would need a certain density and a certain amount of interest to sustain the kind of facilities to to do that, to do that kind of delivery so it's sort of i think it's you know i think back in 2000 during the original dot com bubble there were like i think it was called webvan there were attempts to do the same kind of business model that fresh direct is doing and they failed miserably Fresh Direct has been able to succeed so far, but I don't know because of some of the reasons that you just talked about. Like in in some markets, I don't know if if they would have a play or if they're strictly like something that can only work in an urban setting. Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's interesting because I think maybe they rode the coattails of other services that kind of began the process. Uh, I don't know when they were formed, Fresh Direct versus somebody else, but that would be incredibly hard to break into because you have to break people's habits, right? You have to yeah. break their habit of, of wanting to go into a grocery store to check out the produce, to wander around the aisles and see what else they need that they just forgot to put on their shopping list. Not that everybody wants to do that. People do want to get in and out quickly, but at the same time, I think there's just that taking a trip to the grocery store. I'm taking my list and I'll, I'll buy a couple impulse items at the same time. It's not a big deal. Uh, right. you, you can't really do that with online shopping. And you also don't get that experience of, squeezing the lemons or whatever you're, you know, whatever you're trying to buy or, or picking out that cut of meat that you really want from the butcher, choosing over the one that's right next to it. I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I don't think I'll shop online for groceries anytime soon because I do like to, I like to make eye contact with the guy who's cutting the meat. <laughs> hey, what's going on? Yeah. You know, and, and have that conversation and, and, and get some good stuff. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just I, know, I think, I think that, I think those are very valid points. And I think those are, are a big reason why we haven't, haven't seen online grocery shopping take off at least yet. It's a, it's a very ritualistic thing. You go to your supermarket, you, you have your route, you have your lists, mm-hmm. like you're saying, you know, like you, it's, it's a whole thing. You don't want it. You don't yeah. double back. Well, and, but again, it, you're, you're on point with what you're saying as far as urban versus metropolitan versus, you know, whatever. It's a much slower pace in the Midwest, right? It's just a, it's a slower pace unless you're in Chicago, unless you're in a major, major area. It is just a slower pace, so it's not that big of a deal to run to the grocery store, spend 30, 45 minutes, and then you know go back home. Whereas people who are stuck in traffic for an hour, hour and a half each direction, they don't want that added burden. You know, the commute here is 20 minutes maximum. Right. <laughs> you know? So it's just a slower pace. So but that's got to play into it. Yeah. I mean, from my personal experience, I have at times done Fresh Direct, done the Whole Foods through Amazon. But we also do have a you know a couple of grocery stores that are walking distance. We do that far more often than we do the delivery, because one of the things that you that one of the most frustrating things that that now happens when you like do it online is, well the 
the Amazon one is really wild, to be honest, because like when the, the couple times I've done it, you, you kind of go through, you do the whole shopping, and there's not a there's not a a, a direct necessarily correlation to to what is available on the site versus what might actually be available in the store. So then what happens is you get like, there's like this messaging thing that pops up while your shopper is going through the store, going through the whole foods and trying to fulfill your order. And then you'll get these little messages being like, Oh, Hey, you added this item. We're out of this. Would you, would you like X, Y, or Z as a replacement item or, or nothing? And so then like you have this whole thing where you get like these series of text messages in, in the Amazon app um, to kind of negotiate with the shopper around like the stuff that you wanted to get that you can't actually get now. Well, that's, uh, so that's yeah. one. So you're spending your time doing that. You have to be actively on that app while they're shopping. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, yeah. Okay. That's no, just the messages no bueno. like either they just make their own decisions or they skip the item. So then <laughs> that's, that's one, you know, weird yeah. part of it. And Fresh Direct doesn't do that, but if they don't, they don't have the, you know, but then you, you could also just have the experience where you get your order and either stuff is missing or stuff is wrong and fixing it is not an easy process because, you know, there's a certain, when they're doing this whole thing, it's like, you know, they get all the orders, they have order windows, they are trying to, you know, go through neighborhoods and it all comes in like boxes. They're not going to send a truck out to be like, oh, here's the like, oh, we, we forgot your apples. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you, if they forget something, you just don't get it. So th- there are some, there are some hic- hiccups to the, to this process that, you know. Well, so here's the, here's the other thing, David. I mean, honestly, have you ever been in the grocery store in the chip aisle and, Let's just pick Doritos. I love Doritos. And you go to the Doritos and the, the person who is stocking the shelves has, has pushed as many bags of Doritos onto that shelf as they possibly can. So a couple of them look like they've been stepped on by a gorilla, right? right. You know that you, if you open that bag, it's going to be mainly crumbs. And so you, you move that bag to the side and you kind of feel your way around a bag that has whole chips in it. That's right. what I want. I don't want somebody texting me on an app saying, do you want your Doritos stepped on by gorillas or do you want the bag that looks <laughs> freshest? And come on, right. you know, or are they going to just run through that aisle? Like those supermarket shopping spree things that I've seen online where people are just running and grabbing stuff, throwing in a cart and trying to get out of there as fast as possible. That's not what I want for my personal shopper. Yeah. <laughs> it's just me. Yeah. So I think these are all pain points towards this becoming more widespread. Yeah. At least, you know, for my, my personal. And so like I said, like it's coming in handy, like when you're really crunched for time or, or if I'm lazy or, or I'll, I'll or be sick, honest, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or sick. Okay. We'll, we'll yeah. say sick instead of lazy, but if I'm at home <laughs> and I just don't want to go out and I'm looking at my fridge, it's, it's four 30, it's five o'clock. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, I mean, I don't know what the turnaround time is, but if I can get them to deliver some groceries and a frozen pizza that I can cook up in, you know, 10 minutes in my oven to be able to eat right then, that's when I might shop online. Yeah. Other words, you know, otherwise I'm just going to order a Jimmy John sandwich or something. That's going to be there quick, eat that and go shopping tomorrow. Right. I mean, that's, that's all there is to it. Right. So all of this is a sort of a long winded exploration of why, you know, there is a certain space for, for these delivery things, but I do think ultimately the in-person shopping experience at grocery stores is like, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Yeah. And I, I don't either. I mean, I, again, 
I think it'll be dependent on region and the you know time people have, so on and so forth. I think it'll grow. It'll continue to grow. It'll be more than three percent of right. the of the market. But I I can't see it threatening anybody at this point personally. Right. So you know the the, the probably the more you know we spend a lot of time talking about that. The pro, you know the more actual threats to the traditional grocery operators are you know your WalMarts and your Targets mm-hmm. with their superstores, the warehouse clubs. Um, you know, Costco, like non-traditional grocery oper- grocery operators who have taken some grocery sh- some space away from the grocery sh- grocery stores, your dollar stores, you know, for in, in some markets or at some categories are making some inroads. So those are probably more significant sources of competition, but those are still brick and mortar retailers, and you know, that's it's it's a, it's a slightly different proposition we're talking about as opposed to forcing the sales to be done out of a warehouse, which is, which is the model that, that, that fresh, you know, that a company like fresh direct is doing. Got it. Got it. Um, so I think, you know, the ultimate thesis here is that grocery store, grocery sector is good shape. There's consolidation happening. You know, there, there's always going to be unfortunate stories like our fairway, you know, our, our, the New York fairway, unfortunately, but mm-hmm. overall it's a good business. The grocery investors looking at grocery center, Grocery anchored shopping centers are you know, getting good prices and getting good returns, and don't really see that changing anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, really, unless you're a blockbuster, you really can't lose with those <laughs> those grocery centers. <laughs> so, right. all right, David, thank you so much for your time today, and I look forward to the next time we have a chance to chat. All right, all right, and thank you all for listening to the Common Area Podcast with David Bodemer. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when David comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and colleagues. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at NREI, this is Eric Johnson inviting you back in two weeks for all the stories that matter to you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Common Area Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of NREI or Informa. The content has been made available for information and educational purposes only.